When I was a little kid, Sherry, I, if I brought my dad a can of beer on a Saturday afternoon with the pull tab, you remember those pull tabs? Like you didn't used to just be able to pop it up uh, and it yeah. tucked down inside. Yeah, like they came all the way off. It came all the way off and then they got Sharp. lost in the sand at the beach and people cut their feet yes. in them all the time. Yes. Well, that wasn't really a problem for me, but, but if I pulled one of those tabs all the way off and brought the beer to my dad on the back deck, ah, deck, I got a little sip. Of the beer. Ooh, yuck. I thought it was great. I think that's Even disgusting. when I was however old that was, I don't know, five or six or whatever. Ew. I loved the, how it made my nose Tickle. all tingly and... Uh, the smell is just awful. Well, but you got to think about it. It smelled like my dad and I really... Well, it's not like your dad bathed in beer. But... He didn't, but that's what his breath smelled like on a Saturday afternoon and I liked the smell. I liked everything about it. I liked the experience of trying to carry it out there without sloshing it around and throwing the pull tab away and without cutting my fingers, hopefully. I know. They were sharp. Yeah, those things weren't messing around. I can see why they've innovated. I mean, I think that's the only can innovation that I'm aware of. Wait, you mean you don't think that like this thing that changes color to show you that it's whether, cold? Or... Whether the mountains are blue or white? <laughs> yeah. You're right. The core's yeah. light. I think that's Coors Light that did that. Yeah. You're right. That's some but, massive innovation. Well, you know. But, but you're right, like the pull tabs. Prior to that, the pull tabs were it. Yeah, because they were hard to do, too. Like, you had to be just doing it the right way. Yeah. Or you had to, like, if it was a soda, you drank out of a straw. Because you had to poke it down with a butter knife and then... Oh, my goodness. I don't remember that, but it's Well, sounds... we drank soda. Yeah. Occasionally. My mom was pretty cute. So the little tabby thing had to yeah. get poked out? Yeah. 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 My sister was mean. She would always peel it off uh-huh. and throw it in her can so I wouldn't ask for a drink because I was too afraid of you were swallowing gonna die. it. That's so funny. So funny to go from that, being afraid that you'd swallow the pull tab as a little kid to later in life. I'm sure there was at least one point in college where, or high school where you were... Opening beer bottles. I know for me, we were opening beer bottles up between two rocks once because we didn't have a bottle opener. And uh, they no. would break a little bit. And we'd be like, eh, what's the worst that can happen? I don't know. You could just cut your just drink glass. I don't think drinking glass is healthy. I think it's I think that's... frowned upon. Yeah, I don't. But after you... You were very much more dedicated to your alcohol if you were drinking. You're right. Yeah. I had... You had commitment issues, Sherry, even back when it was alcohol. I was in in it to win it. So, so that's you know a piece of what I wanted to start with. Our I wanted to talk a little bit about our childhood exposure to alcohol because I want to talk about our kids today. And I I wrote a, a a little note on my notebook when I was thinking about what we would talk about. I I wrote that maybe the maybe the episode title for this is Journey into the Unknown. Mm. That sounds fancy, doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds like we're on a rocket ship or in a movie. Yeah. But what I mean by that is you and I are parenting in a very unknown way because we're, we're, we're parenting different, differently as it relates to alcohol than, than anything that we were exposed to. And that's what we want to primarily talk about today. But before we get into that, let's, let's just talk briefly about our exposure to alcohol as a, as a kid. I think the, the different 
the, the basic way to explain the differences is in my family, all the alcohol drinking was celebratory. It was a sign of manhood. It was a sign of adulthood. It was a sign <laughs> of success. I can remember specifically when my dad upgraded from Budweiser to Michelob. I can remember when he upgraded from Beefeater Gin to Tanqueray, to Tanqueray Gin. And, uh, you know, everything really was kind of positive. Alcohol is aspirational. Because the a sign changes of and the upgrades meant your family was getting more money for him to spend well, on Well, yeah, he'd get a promotion and then we went from Beefeater yeah. to Tanqueray, I guess. Yeah. Good but, way to spend your money. So it was real positive. It was everything was <laughs> everything was uh, was good. Now you, on the other hand, you, your mother divorced your father. At, how old were you when that happened? I was two. My sister was eight. And he was an alcoholic, and that was yes. the reason for the divorce. Drinking was the reason for the divorce. My mom did not grow up in an environment with drinking. Drinking was not acceptable on her mother or father's side of the family quite honestly they were very stoic midwesterners that did not drink no one really drank so my dad was like the first introduction to alcohol really for my mom and she and and i'm not bashing her like it's defensible it's understandable she was um outwardly disgusted or disappointed in him at times in front of you yeah so here i'm over here on in this part of the country right learning that alcohol is the most glorified thing ever and you're on on the other hand you know learning that that alcohol is to be vilified and it's and that a drinker you know your father was a drinker and that that was a nasty thing right yeah and i I wouldn't say so much that she vilified the alcohol but let me just say My mom didn't vilify the booze. She always called it booze. Yeah. Um, But that that was a negative connotation when my dad had drank way too much. Yeah. Like, she would, you know, now, like, when we talk about it, she's talked about how, like, he was really this, he was a really great, fun guy to be around. And if it was just a couple beers and a couple of their friends playing cards on a Friday night, it was great. It's just then when he started drinking... Booze, because she didn't refer to out beer as booze, but so you know, definitely like when he was drinking and drunk, that yeah. was that was when he was drunk, that was the wrong part for yeah. sure, or drank more than two, which that was her deeming acceptable level, I suppose. But so what there wasn't the- for either of us was there there wasn't a lot of education around. And frankly, a lot of the knowledge that we have today, a lot of the scientific knowledge we have today just didn't exist. Right. So this is, again, I'm not trying to bash any parents here. They didn't know any better, but there wasn't a lot of education about alcoholism and and how you can contract it and what it can do to your life and how hard it can be to fight. Right. Um, There was alcohol is great and alcohol or drinkers are evil. Those were kind of the two... Yeah, you were kind of like weak and you couldn't control it. You keep yeah. it under control. You couldn't, you know, stop yourself. From drink. Like, that's how alcoholics yeah, it, were perceived. There was no blaming the disease back then. Right. It was and the person was a weak. Even just in the country, like, yes. as, as our generation, it was say no to drugs, dare, Nancy Reagan, you know. Wear a condom so you don't get pregnant or AIDS. Yeah. But nothing about alcohol. But nothing about alcohol. Nothing. So that's why this is the journey into the unknown, because you and I are parenting 
in a different way. And it is terrifying, frankly. First of all, you know, until three and a half years ago, I was still drinking. And so our kids definitely grew up with exposure to a high-functioning alcoholic. And I, I use that that delineation because I mostly kept it under control. I held a job and, you know, never missed any events and never forgot to pick the kids up. And so from their perspective, it was mostly good. You and I would have horrendous fights, mostly after they had gone to bed, mostly away from the kids, but not always. We definitely exposed them to some of that. But I don't I don't really want to talk today a lot about the active alcoholism side of what we've exposed the kids to that we've talked about in the past for one thing and secondly I think that's pretty common knowledge pretty common knowledge that the torment the the challenges that you go through as a child in an alcoholic house what I want to talk about is the, the what we exposed the kids to in sobriety and in our recovery and what that has yielded. I guess that's more what I want to talk about, the relationships that we have with the kids now. Because when, when you think you're hiding the alcoholism from your kids and you think you're doing an okay job, it's pretty easy to give yourself a pass as a parent and say, we're doing the best we can. I don't think we're traumatizing the kids. I think everything's fine. I mean, I certainly think that's what you and I did. But then, now that we've been in recovery for years and we're seeing the, the flip side of that, we're seeing the, the pretty big benefits to, and, and I don't want this to just sound self-congratulatory, I want this to sound um, encouraging and hopeful for the other parents out there who are listening to this and are maybe earlier in their journey of recovery and sobriety and think, wow, this is something I can hope for for my relationship with my kids. I want people to to, to see this as a possibility um, because it is. It's not, it's not even hard. What, what has developed relationship-wise between you and I and our children, Sherry, is really, really special. But it's not hard and it's not unique. And it's easily attainable in recovery, you know, by by both the alcoholic and the the loved one of the alcoholic, the spouse of the alcoholic. But I think a good starting point was when it was kind of the our, the, our relationship with the kids was kind of at what I consider it's our lowest point. I was on a day one, so a. The night before I had drank and drank heavily and it had gone poorly and I was in my first day sober. And I don't believe this was this time around. I don't believe this was the time that I made it to permanent sobriety. I think it was pretty close to the end of my drinking because Catherine was pretty old and and very conscious of what was happening. But it it wasn't this last time. So maybe it was the second to last or third to last. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But she was a teenager and I have this vivid memory of standing in the backyard with her. And I was just like so depressed I was nearly dead. I mean, I wanted to be dead. And I don't remember exactly what brought the two of us to the backyard together. But it was just the two of us and we were out there. And 
I think she was asking me what's wrong or asking me if I was okay. And I just remember kind of shaking my head and saying, I don't know. I don't know. And it was such a horrific feeling because as a parent, you want to always be there for your kids and you want to give them an answer. You know, as parents, I think sometimes we even make up answers, but we always want to give our kids an answer and and be their rock and be their protector. And I I couldn't that day. I didn't. She would, was asking if things were going to be okay, and I said I didn't know. And I didn't mean that as though you and I were having a fight. I meant that about specifically about me. I mean, she was worried about her father. She was worried about my health and my mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell her not to worry because I was twice, ten times more worried than she was about my health and my mental well-being. And I'll never forget that day. Be, I think, again, because because I let her down. And even, you know, even through the worst of the alcoholism, I don't know. I never forgot to pick up the kids. I never, I never missed their sporting events. I never con- forgot to congratulate them when they got a good grade. The tooth fairy, on the other hand, I was terrible at that. I was never the tooth fairy. You <laughs> oh, were you. always the tooth fairy. Wow. You had to sneak in and you're not very quiet. And I was often... You were often... I already passed it. out. Yeah, because you had to wait until they were solidly asleep. Do you have any recollection of that day? I mean, you probably I don't. don't. I don't know, think you because even... if I wasn't there and I can't, you don't know exactly when it was, I don't... I don't remember... Well, it'll never leave me. That was a solid. How does it? I mean, how does it make you feel just hearing me talk about it? Um, it just makes me feel really sad for her. That she had to ask her dad that question and get that, you know, um, vague answer. Not very comforting answer, which is. I mean, a question like that, the only job you have as a parent is to provide comfort. She was too young for me to make it a, you know, here's the reality of life. Life is hard. Right. Life's going to suck. Nothing like that. The only job I had was to say, yeah, it's going to be fine. And I couldn't. Yep. So I feel terrible for her too. For that day. But the relationships with all four of the kids have improved dramatically. And, you know, a lot of time has passed. So it's not like this happened overnight. One of the parts of the process that we've talked about and I've written about is that about a year into my sobriety, we sat down with the kids and we let them express their anger and their frustration over my drinking. And that was important. We made it clear to them that they could feel safe and protected anytime they wanted to talk about alcohol and what what my drinking had done to them. Mm-hmm. And we did that at your insistence. I thought it was a waste of time. I thought it was unnecessary. I guess not a waste of time, but I thought it was unnecessary. And you insisted and we did it. And I'm so thankful looking back now. I mean, I I think 
that a lot... You couldn't just brush it under the rug and act like it didn't happen and let them not have their opportunity to speak their mind because they were... some. Sometimes it was they were too little, but, um, you know, especially the younger ones, but the older ones, they had to have some answers. They had They knew what was going on. Like, they could connect the dots even when they were young. Oh, lots of beer and lots of trips to the kegerator or whatever meant that dad's acting this way and mom's going to be this way. And See, and I... Licking their wounds the next day of... I mean, you knew that, and they could connect the dots, but I couldn't. I right. didn't... I thought we had done a great job of hiding it from them, and ah, a couple arguments that they witnessed, they're fine. I was so naive about how impactful it had been, and you were right. And I'm so eternally grateful that we had that conversation and let them express themselves fully. So thank you for that. But here we are at present day, and this is what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the relationships that we have with the kids now. Our daughter is a senior in high school. Just, I mean, she's graduated by the time this this podcast airs. She's, this is graduation week right now as we're speaking, so she will have graduated by the time this airs. And we didn't... We didn't lose her in her teen years. We didn't lose her in high school. And I think that's fascinating. And when I say lose, I mean, I mean, I, I don't have, it wouldn't, I'm sure that there are many ways that she thinks she's smarter than us because that's what happens when you're a teenager, right? You right. think you're smarter than your parents. I certainly did. I thought that of my parents. Well, I know she is. I saw all her rewards. Yeah. She's definitely smarter than well, I yeah. am. What am and I talking about? And her cords and things like I mean, she's yeah. definitely smarter than I am. She's smarter than us, you're but she's, right. She's, but I get what you're saying, like that, you know, know-it-all attitude that a lot of us, that cockiness attitude, but I don't, you know, I don't see that coming from her very much. Or the, or the pulling away, and this is yeah. the part that's kind of fascinating to me. She didn't, like, I still feel, I, I feel like I have trouble um, getting her to open up sometimes, so it's not like I don't want to paint this Pollyannish, right? Like everything is perfect. I I think there's that she has her secrets from us. Yeah, she does. But I don't. And she has her secrets from you. You know, like <laughs> well, I mean, like she doesn't want to tell her dad everything. Yeah, I just like the way you very specifically but I mean, pointed out that. But I I, mean. I know that I let her have secrets. I'm okay with that as long as I know she's talking to somebody if she's having trouble. Well, that's the big thing, With, like, right? friends. Like, I know yeah. that, you know, because I have said, well, why don't you talk about it? You know, and she's like, well, you know, no, I'm going to talk to my friends about this. And I'm like, okay, as long as you're talking to somebody, you know. And then once you talk through and you have questions, come and talk to us. Yeah. I mean, she's, you know. Yeah, you got to talk to somebody. You can't just push it down. We know that. And we tell her that. And she understands that. Yeah. Which is good. I know that you wish that she would tell us everything that's going on, but she definitely is more informative about what's going on with her life or people in her life or people around in her school. And she's just a very mature young lady that sees the benefit. And the communication, even though there is some stuff that she keeps to herself, it's it's just head and shoulders better than I experienced Growing up, I mean, I had lots of secrets and lots of stuff that I wasn't talking to my parents about. Yeah, I don't feel like I could have hardly talked about anything. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe it's just her. Maybe she's a unique, special individual. But I I tend to believe 
that at least some of it has to do with the openness that was created after we started talking about my alcoholism and the recovery and from a household environment standpoint, you know, things got markedly better. There was, there wasn't a lot of worry about yelling in the middle of the night or counting how many beers dads had. Like when all of that was gone, Mm -hmm. it seemed to open the way for the relationship to get a lot better. And you and I frankly worked at it too. I think, I think that's fair to say that we didn't just take it for granted. We made an effort, but I'm just like every, every day I expect like her to like close off and we're out. We'll see you when I'm 26. Like I'm done talking to you people. Yeah. And that hasn't happened. And I'm so thankful and feel so blessed for it. But I don't think we can just consider it blind luck. It has, it has something to do with, the openness and vulnerability and the way we've we've been about the recovery. I think that's important. Because, I, because think, I think if people listen to this and their kids are younger and they're they're trying to yank their relationship, their marriage out of the ditch and and trying to improve upon things, I think it's important for them to realize that you know the end result can be not just a little bit better or not just normal. That's that's where I'm trying to go. The end result can be not just normal. It can be way better than normal. Because mm-hmm. I think normal, you know, normal is the teenager who shuts the parents out and they reconnect in their mid-20s. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the, she is a girl, so that makes a big difference because we have three boys. And there's a difference in boys and girls. And there's a difference in what you and Nick, our second child, who's just turned 16, what you and he talk about. Versus what he and I talk about. Like, I didn't know a lot of stuff that was going on in one of one or two of his engineering classes. Like, he tells me about what's going on in piano class at school, but he told you all about engineering and, like, the computer graphics that he did last year and things like that. So, it does. It's cool. It's, it's fun to talk to Nick about stuff that he's actually interested in because he's he's generally a pretty quiet person. I mean, he loves to tell jokes, and he's he's really funny. But he can go through the better part of a day without many words coming out of his mouth pretty easily. And so when you you know when you do the typical how was school fine do you have any homework yeah. a little bit um, for at least he's he he's he's gotten rid of the uh, what yeah because for a long time every question you ask there'd be a pause and then a, uh, what and I mean he'll answer he'll answer your questions if you just start pummeling them with them. Yeah. And then he'll start to open up because he's like, oh, they want more than just blah. Yeah. You know, like when we talk about his friend groups, like I know so much about so many kids at their high school. Yeah. Just from what Catherine knows and she tells me and I, I mean, and she tells me kind of stuff that she would talk to her, for, like what's going on with some of the friends that are, you know, that are troublesome for her or she's worried or concerned or she's excited. But Nick, you have to kind of really get going, and he's like a lawnmower that won't start, and you're just pulling the cord, pulling the cord, pulling the cord. But then he'll open up and start talking. Especially if you hit a topic that he's really interested in. Like like you said, the engineering stuff. You know, he loves this engineering class that he's in. Um, and just, and other topics that if he's really interested, he'll he'll go and go and go. And that's such a good feeling that he is 
open with us that way and that you know he has an interest in telling us about the stuff that interests him mm-hmm. he's been he's been he's got this music writing software and he's been messing around with some friends in the neighborhood they've they've got musical equipment guitars and drums and stuff and so that's piqued a musical interest in him and and playing the piano and he you know he just he gets in deep he doesn't do anything surface level like not only is he playing the piano but he is tuning the <laughs> piano <laughs> well let's just say we're too cheap to hire somebody to come and tune the piano so we gave him a tuning piano well but he understands the I, mechanisms i thought it sounded fine yeah and i'm too cheap to pay someone to come in and <laughs> tune it and everyone else in the family including the piano teacher who's not in the family um has complained about the fact that the piano's out of tune so i said all right engineer boy who likes to get into detail and how things work here's a 25 dollars amazon piano tuning kit go to town yeah because it's just some hop stuff but but he's not yeah. only tuned the piano; he showed us how he tunes it. Like yeah. he's interested he's in interested that, and then he expresses himself. And because he and, uses the piano too, so it's it's a good thing for him to have the keys, you know, have it be tuned. So but the other thing good. that's interesting about Nick is he he tells a lot of jokes. He is a very funny guy. Like he, he gets rolling. He does funny voices and actions. He, he, he's so like he could be such a physical comic too because yeah. he's so tall and lanky and pliable. He like is. He's bendy and... And, and he'll, but he'll take the, the way that the younger boys frustrate him <laughs> and he'll turn that into some kind of a comic act. That's his way of releasing it without pummeling the two of them. Well, don't which they is say nice. that comedy, comedians always have deep pain that they oh, have Oh, for have sure. This. So the younger brothers are his frustration and pain. But his what, muse. But what's been so interesting that I've noticed recently... He, like, when he'll tell a joke, he will look to see if I'm laughing or not. And often, I mean, I'm a terrible father, Sherry. Often I will just be, like, laughing mm. on the inside. Like, literally laughing this on the inside. This is what he told and me. And I do know that he's really funny. But but I suddenly realized, like, six months ago, he is waiting for me to laugh on yes. the outside. Yes. What did he tell you? He, he did tell me this. He said, well, I know that it goes over well if I get more than just a, hmm, out of dad at the dinner table for his joke. You're little... You know, that little, like, sound that you kind of, heh, make. Well, when I realized that, I was like, holy crap. I had no idea that he is looking for my approval, in a way, for his sense of humor. And I've been holding back, not on purpose. I don't. I didn't do it to be a jerk, or I didn't do it because I didn't think he's funny, because I think he's hilarious. But I've been on a much more conscious level trying to express exactly how I feel. I'm not faking the laughter. I'm not laughing when he's not funny, but he's funny so much. And I'm trying to make sure he knows that. And so that is a little subtlety that I never in a million years would have picked up on when I was drinking. Right, because you were too busy drinking and trying to be the funny guy that nobody else could get a word in. Such a self-centered disease. It was. It was like you wanted to be, like you even kind of have a joke, hey, I'm the funny guy in the family or something like that. I tell the jokes around here. You know, like, but you had to be the one that was like the funny person at the dinner table if it was time to be funny. Yeah. And you didn't let a lot of other people or your stories had to be so exaggerated and if anybody tried to add anything to it, you kind of got a little like defensive about your story and I, I just didn't listen <clears throat> I didn't listen to anybody ever yeah which is a bit of an exaggeration but not a great deal of an exaggeration and it explains 
I, I mean, when, when, when he tells a joke and I can see that he's looking out of the corner of his eye to see what my reaction is, I mean, it warms my heart. This might sound silly, but I know that I would not have picked up on that if I had had... I'm not talking about if I was drunk. Right. If I had come home from work and had two beers and then sat down to dinner and he told a joke, I wouldn't... It would have been... It, it would have glossed right over me. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh my God, he's looking for my approval. I'm going to give it to him. And Well, and he's also like a witty kind of funny. So wit takes, I think, a sense of intelligence and delivery and timing and yeah. like creativity. Yeah. And because of your writing and he does writing and of, of a lot of things, like I think that that's where he's looking for your approval because I think he respects your level of writing and and what you you know the way you've kind of crafted your writing he's crafting some of his his stand up well the yeah the relationship has just turned into a gift for me i mean i can't say enough about it how much i value the fact that my kid who is 16 now um cares what i think about him and i get to to give him the love, the unconditional love, but I guess I guess laughter is conditioned love because he's got to be funny or I'm not going to give it to him. But he is funny, and so I get to give it to him, and it's such a great feeling. Mm-hmm. The other thing before we move on from Nick I want to mention is he's now taller than me. <laughs> not by a lot, but by a little. And I have made it a strong point for a bunch of reasons that we don't really have time to get into all of it. But I've made a strong point to continue to have physical contact with my boy kids, um, even as they get older. So I give Nick a big old squeezy hug every night before bed, no matter what. And it's so cute because he, like, when I stick my arms out to give him a hug, I know this is radio and not television, which is too bad because I'm acting it out right now. But when I stick my arms out for him to, to give to give him a hug. He still comes in under, like, like his arms are kid. lower, and so his chin hits me in the Adam's apple. <laughs> and if I'm like I'm aware of it now, so I like I can dodge it a little, or I prepare for it, or whatever. But he's gotten me pretty good a few times with yeah. his. Uh, did I say his his chin? His shoulder hits me in the his Adam's. shoulder. Yeah, his yeah, shoulder right in the Adam's apple because he's taller and he's trying to be. But he still, like, he doesn't even think to do the one arm over, one arm under, which is how most guys hug. Like, yeah. we each got one arm over, one arm under. Well, he's also... He's, he's both under it, and now that he's taller, it's He was so Nikki's snuggle puppy as a baby, so he likes to... He still... And I love that he wants to give a hug to both of us goodnight. Yeah. You know? Because that is also something that, like, caring, loving, physical touch is one of his... I think it's... It's very nice that he likes to have that. I just, I'm not going to say anything. I'll take those shots to the Adam's apple from time to time because I want to see how long it takes him to really, I hope he grows to be like nine inches taller than me and he's still (laughs) trying to take the lower position. He's not nine inches taller than you. It'll be worth it just to to see, to see how the hugs progress. I think it's (laughs) hilarious. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast and it, it doesn't ruin it for us. But I don't, I don't think, think he will. listening to his his parents talk is uh, anything he wants any more exposure to than he already has I think to. He so already has a, a I don't think lot. he'll get a half an hour into a podcast anytime soon. Yeah, he does listen to podcasts, but I don't think he's going to listen to this one. But, exactly right. 
And then Joey, he's our middle schooler going into the eighth grade now. The middle boy. Middle boy. And, you know, his exposure when I was drinking is interesting because he has really good hearing. Yes. And better than the rest of them. And so we woke him up at times when we didn't wake up other kids. And so he had that, but he was still young. Um... But what the relationship has developed into with him, even just really recently, has been really, really great. He likes to cook more so than the others. Um, although you've been with all four of them, you've got like a cooking thing going now. What, what are you, what are you doing with the dinners exactly? Well, because this podcast is recorded during our COVID, and we're coming out of shelter in place. But I, you usually make breakfast since we've closed our bakery. But I just was getting tired of cooking every night and coming up with different meals. And I like to cook. I just thought, well, this would be fun if they did some stuff. It started because Nick had that project for his Chinese language class where he made stir fry with some leftover rice. Because the Chinese teacher wanted them to do something interactive since they couldn't be sitting in Chinese class. So, since so he they made were stuck stir fry at home. rice. Yeah, since they were stuck at home. So they did a stir fry rice recipe and he just made one batch. And I was like, ooh, that looks really good. You should make that for dinner. So it started with that. But then, even in Spanish class when he was in middle school, he made a Spanish tortilla with potatoes and onions. And that turned out well. That was a very messy experience. But um, so I thought, well, this let's have them all pick something that they want to cook. And. Um, Joey really likes to grill out. He likes to be outside. He is our kid that would be outside a lot more, even just doing nothing. Well, and so not only that, but he likes to cook. Period. Like yeah. He he. This this each kid has to do a dinner thing that you're doing is fun, and it's fun for him. But he 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 gets involved with dinner yeah. quite frequently. Yeah. Even, even besides that, I mean he 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 enjoys it for sure. I mean he definitely needs guidance. Um, cause he's still younger, um, and doesn't know all the terms and gets, he gets a little overzealous in some of the things he wants to prepare. So, he does. um, he, he needs some help, but so I had, so I had the kids pick out some items that they wanted to cook and they all had a, a hosted dinner. Ironically, um, our daughter is the one that wants to do taco salad. Why is that because she's she's not the cook. Oh, she wants she's to do something made, easy. She's it? accidentally put salt in place of sugar in brownie mixes more than once. Actually, more than once. Kind of like she is not, shocking that you wouldn't she's, learn from that. one. I mean, but. yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to be sexist and stuff, but I always said I need to at least teach them how to make scrambled eggs and mac and cheese and a few like staples. And the boys seem to have really like kind of taken off with wanting to learn more about cooking than than just the basics. So started with them yeah. doing that. And now Joey's doing something extra credit for Spanish class that involves some steaks that we have. So I'm going to be involved. Because yeah. that's not one that we want ruined. Absolutely. But it's been fun. But but Joey gets active in cooking even above and beyond this project. He and but you're right. What's what's been really neat this spring for me is I'll go to grill, and I don't grill all that often. I have been a little bit more often recently. Because I've been forcing more main courses on you grilling because I'm tired of cooking. But what's cool is he'll, like, we'll get the coals going. We're 
charcoal grill family. And he'll just sit out there in the chairs next to the grill with me and just yeah. shoot the shit and talk. Yeah. yeah. That's like his that's like his jam, I think. He's just a very social person that and loves being outdoors. Any and, of our other kids when we ask him to help with something like that, you know, they ooh, they want to be there to light the lighter fluid. They for sure want to be there for the fire part. Yeah. But then waiting for the coals to turn gray for forty five minutes, uh uh-uh. uh. They're gonna go off and find something else to do. <laughs> But it's been really fun to just sit by the grill and have these really cool conversations about nothing in particular, um, just just about whatever. And Joey gets enthusiastic about just about anything, so it's not hard to find a topic that he can talk about. And then the other the other thing I wanted to mention that's new and really fun with Joey is where did he get that crossword book? The crossword puzzle book. Oh, our elderly neighbor at the end of the block, we've been getting groceries for her, and she felt like in the beginning part of this that she needed to always reciprocate. But she also said she's staying at home, and so she's been finding some odds and ends of of just things that she has around the house that she thought maybe would be entertaining for the kids. As long as she doesn't give us a cat that she doesn't want to <laughs> No, no cats. But no, so it's she gave usually us a, good stuff. She gave know? us that crossword puzzle book? Yeah, and that big puzzle, like that big, huge thousand-piece puzzle that Nick worked on and, you know. But so when I... So the crossword puzzles. When I was saying goodnight to Joey, this is... Yeah, it's like got to be like... Um, six weeks, month? Probably a six weeks ago now. I noticed he was working on a crossword puzzle, and I think he asked me for help with a word. And I sat down and did a few words with him. And... We've done that every single night for like six weeks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes, sometimes you're it's cheating fun. using your well, phone. that one was like all Latin words. That was ridiculous. Okay. But <laughs> sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> By no fault of Joey's, uh, just sometimes the puzzles are easier than others. Yeah. But it's been like this super cool... But I think, and I think it's really great for his vocabulary because he was our, one of our earliest talkers. And he was the kid that never stopped talking once he started talking and talked to strangers, talked to... I mean, I remember him being, like, two, and one of our good friends, we were, like, at the zoo, and she was like, are you not terrified that he's just going to get taken because he's so cute and friendly and talkative and wants to meet everybody? Yeah. And I'm like, well, of course, every parent worries about that, but... You know, like he's always, so this is really good for his vocabulary because I think he has a lot of words that he kind of knows what they are, but he gets them mixed up a little bit. So I think it's been fantastic that he's been having this education with you too. Well, I'm sure you're right about his vocabulary, but I got to tell you what it means to me is it's this really cool chance to really bond with one of my kids. And I think just about every night I think about... When I was drinking, it it would not have to be a situation where I was plastered. It would not have to be a situation where I was drunk. Even if I was just having one or two, not one, I never had one. But even if I was just having two or three drinks. Or if it was your night not to drink when you had your rules of only drinking on the weekends. Yeah, even even with that, I would not have had the patience to sit there and do a crossword puzzle. You didn't even read books to them hardly at all. No. I mean, it just wasn't your patience level. So it's just such a tremendous blessing of not just sobriety but long-term sobriety because it takes a long time to develop things like patience but now that I've got it like I'm just so thankful to have just I don't know lucked into or fallen into this opportunity to bond with Joey and it's super fun and super cool and And I hope it keeps going for a long time we'll have to get another puzzle crossword puzzle we may have to start getting the real paper 
just so you can get the crossword puzzle in there. Yeah. <laughs> it would be worth it because it is fun. <laughs> and then, you know, Andrew's our youngest, and all of our kids are in double digits now. Yeah. So he's 10. Um, he's got a lot of energy. Um, he's always got something to show us. I loved, oh, he does a lot of, he makes a ton of paper airplanes, a lot of origami. Yeah. Um, lots of videos for his little robot or he makes like crazy. He, his future job, he said at one point was to be a YouTuber. I didn't even know that was a career, but apparently a YouTuber is a career. Yes. So he will enact crazy like videos where we find Uno cards that are strewn around all over the house because he's imploded them somehow to capture on video. What was his dinner when it was his time to make Oh, dinner? so his dinner has a funny origin, and I will try to be brief. We were watching, you know how, like, because again, YouTube. So he caught me watching a video, and it was like a cooking demonstration on like how to make real French crepes because... Or not crepes, uh, omelets. This was a Saturday morning when you were at the bakery. And so we watched this. And then he kind of kept watching a few cooking demonstrations. Well, this like German or Swiss guy, and I don't want to offend anybody. I just wasn't paying attention. But the accent were both the same in English. Did this recipe where it used canned white potatoes. Hot dog sausages, which I guessed were kind of close to Vienna sausage. And zucchini. And this kid loves zucchini or Italian squash. But you used an egg slicer to slice the soft canned potatoes. And so we had to go buy an egg slicer, you know, like those round things that have the, the wires that you cut down. Yeah. And, and because I didn't know how long this little trend would last, we kind of ruined it, like, on the first hard-boiled egg that we, yes, took the shell off and sliced the egg. Um but he did you hard boil it for a couple of hours? No, it just okay. that's how cheap it was because okay. I didn't want to dole out. It was either like a three dollar one or like a ten dollar one at the store, and I was like, I don't know how long this will last. So, so he's kind of liked this concept of having some sort of sausage. So we've upgraded, and we do. So for his meal, white new potatoes. Okay. So we. Cooked those and crisped them up, as he says. And sausages and zucchinis. And it was like a, yeah. So it was not Vienna sausages this time. So I know you have to start the potatoes before you cook the sausage because they cook longer or whatever. Right. But it ended up being kind of a one skillet meal. Like yes, you just and add then we, in. yeah, we kind so of combine everything. Kind of 10 year old age appropriate. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. so proud of that meal. Oh, yeah. Um, which is cool because if you had made something more difficult, you would have had to be more taking the reins and then he wouldn't have been. Yeah. And I remember, I'll never forget the way he described it. He said, Dad, you're going to love it. it. It's got the oil and the butter that they, it has this oily sheen that's so delicious. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not a, that's not a, sausage that's not a good way. That's not the way you describe something to be appetizing, but he thought it was yeah so fancy. I mean, it's got this oily texture to it. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't oily. It wasn't. It was delicious. It just had olive oil to saute the... Um, zucchini and then the sausage was like a smoked kind of sausage that we put in there. But. but so the way he gets to show his personality without fear in this household that no longer has people walking on eggshells is really, really rewarding and nice to see. I have found 
I feel like as a little kid, he didn't quite understand what was going on, but he could feel the tension. And I know that you kind of poo-pooed this a lot, but I felt like he had some issues of just quick bouts of frustration, which would turn to anger and almost rage. Mm -hmm. And I know he still does a little bit, and I know age is helping for him to maintain and control himself. But he definitely, I don't feel like he had a place that he felt very comfortable to be creative in. Yeah. And and now he does. And now he does. And he started piano a few years ago. He was the one that always tinkered around with our piano. And then we realized he kind of has a gift for piano. So he's he gets to express himself with that, too. And I think it is good that he has that opportunity and we and I can't imagine what it would be like in our house if you had still been drinking and not in a good mood and having the piano play all the time. It kind of makes me think of that scene from It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. Do you always have to play that piano? And she has this recital coming. Song, yeah, yeah, and yeah. she has a recital. Because, like, you know, sometimes, especially an attitude piano before Nick tuned it, sounded really bad and loud and I annoying. It sounded great to me. But no, you're right. And... So I think this is a good time to mention to our listeners that, you know, it sounds like we just sat across from each other for 45 minutes and bragged about our kids. And I suppose that's what we did. But that's not the point of why we did it. The point is that the change in atmosphere from the household when I was drinking to the the atmosphere in the household when I'm not drinking is remarkable. And it's pr- producing tangible results in our kids. And if this is something that is of interest to you, if you're trying to make that transition, if you are the loved one of an alcoholic and you're not sure where to go and you want some advice and you want the tips from others and you want someone to serve as a sounding board that you can bounce your thoughts and ideas off, we want to we want to encourage people to check out our Echoes of Recovery program for the loved ones of alcoholics. Um, and it doesn't have to be a marital situation. We have... We have parents of alcoholics and children of alcoholics in the Echoes of Recovery program. Lots of spouses, of course. Um, But it's a great place for connection and to get tips and to learn and to hear stories like this and to tell stories like this of things that are successful ways that you parent in a situation that either has active alcoholism or you're recovering from alcoholism and the tangible results you get from changing the way you parent. And so we've just been super blessed and excited about how the program has been going. And we want to encourage any other loved one of an alcoholic who thinks there might be there for them, something there for them to look into the connection. And so check us out at echoesofrecovery.com, E-C-H-O-E-S of recovery.com. And if you think it looks like a fit, please join us. So Sherry, I want to end today on our kids, not not just where they are now, but what their relationship with alcohol looks like. Because obviously I was drinking at some point in every one of their life stories. Um, we still have, you know, they're still around relatives that drink. So they're exposed to alcohol there. Our kids go to a public high school, a big public high school in Denver. So certainly they're exposed to alcohol there. Um, and I feel like, I think hopefully they're in a good place with their relationship with alcohol right now. 
I think they're because of they've seen what it did to me and what it did to us, our relationship and what it did to our entire family. I think there's a healthy level of fear that they have for alcohol when, I mean, maybe we're naive, maybe we're missing a bunch of stuff, but I really don't believe that any of them have experimented with alcohol yet. They're pretty open in what they talk about as far as what they see <coughs> alcohol wise from other kids in school. So I feel like if they're telling us that stuff, then I don't think they're right. participating. I do feel like, I feel more secure with Catherine, just being the oldest and being witness to most of it and seeing the negative effects um, and the hardship. And I think because she is a girl and was the oldest, like she would ask questions and I wouldn't necessarily like give her all the details, but a lot of it was like, well, with dad's drinking right now is causing these issues and I'm sorry that you have to hear this and... I'm sorry that I can't just ignore his drinking. And um, so I feel like for her and then just some of the stories that she shared with me, I don't feel like um, I'm too worried about her. Yeah. Um, Nick still kind of is quiet and closed and I know he knows people that do stuff, but I think his friend group really doesn't mess with it. He's gone to a few parties that the parent was there and you kind of knew the parent from coaching the kid in soccer and the dad helped out a bit. Um, but I feel like he would stay away from that and I think he would leave that situation. Yeah. Cause I think he has that. He knows that that's, that's a big deal. I think he looks at it. I mean, what he shares with me is like, you know, dad, I don't understand why people do that. Why would you want to, because we, we haven't just said, oh, you know, alcoholism was bad. Um, it caused us relationship problems. It caused problems for me. We've been specific. Yeah. We've talked about brain chemistry. Right. And we've talked about how alcohol hijacks the neurotransmitters. And, like, we've been real specific about it. <coughs> and these are kids that are interested in stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think they've just blown us off. I think they've taken it seriously. And so, I, I mean, I guess... I look at it like right now, it's kind of like having that healthy relationship with the ocean. Like they're afraid of the undertow. Mm -hmm. Um, Alcohol is something to be feared and they're aware of that. But at the same time, I don't think either of us are naive enough to think that they're never going to drink. Right. I mean, I, I know that they'll at some point experiment and I hope and pray a lot that We've just given them enough of a good example, contrasted against the bad example that we started with, to guide them to a point where they'll make good decisions as adults. Yeah. And that's where the title to this episode that I jotted at the top of my notebook paper came from. Journey. Journey into the unknown. Because I know (coughs) that a lot of the reason that I got in trouble with alcohol was because I didn't know any better. And I just did right. what all the adults around me did, and then I did what all the teenagers around me did, and then I did but, what all the college kids around me yeah. did, and I just did what everybody else did. But, what but our kids know better. So I'm hopeful that it'll make a difference. Well, I think because we've also expressed to them that, like, because you did a job well done doesn't mean you deserve a beer. Or yeah. because you had a hard day doesn't mean you need to go have a beer. You need to find another way to deal with your emotions. Yeah. We've, and that's what I think we'll have to impress upon more with the younger kids that have had that disconnect because those memories are going to be foggier and they're not going to have lived through it. So that's kind of where I'm going to take it. Because I, I just think, like, 
using alcohol in replace of real feelings yeah is is the problem well 100 percent. you know so i don't want them to be like oh i had a bad day i need to really have a drink yeah that is just like stepping off of the high dive yeah you know into a to a pool of unknown yeah be full of sharks you don't know and well, especially with my case yeah so yeah i think you're right i i think their entire exposure and relationship with alcohol is going to be different and i don't know what different means but i'm hopeful hey you know what i noticed sherry What's that? um you are usually when we're talking about our relationship you're pretty reluctant to talk and i have to kind of drag the words out of you but when we had an episode dedicated to talking about our kids you talked a lot yeah that's the mama bear in you i'm very proud of them and you love them very much and you always want to talk about them i think it's great i think it's wonderful so thank you for talking so much about our wonderful kids well, it's easy. Yeah. Yep. It's got you choked up now, huh? Just thinking about them. Yep. Is that because our senior's on her way? Yeah, we just went and got her cap and gown and check out and... It's really happening. Her journey, journey into the unknown is really starting. Let's hope we... Uh, I know we did our best. Let's hope it was good enough, right? see what happens yeah love you sherry for my wife sherry salis my name is matt salis and you've been listening to the untoxicated podcast thanks for listening